the Oklahoma drill. We've got Sam and Alex and Ryan here for our proper uh, big draft postmortem. Um, and so I guess the first place to start is to give Sam an attempt to defend his character after some yeah, vicious so defamation on yeah, the part the, of our the draft, immediate the, reaction. The five-hour-long draft ended so late, I didn't do the immediate reaction with you guys. I really felt like Alex was uh, kind of faming me a little bit, making me think I don't trust Sam Presti. I do like... I'm fine with the Darius Baisley pick. I think it's very on-brand and not sure. I even talked about Darius Baisley and said that the Trailblazers were going to draft him because they drafted Anthony Simons last year. Did not even cross my mind that Sam Presti would be in love with the guy with freakishly long arms and very tall and athletic. But so I do, I do like the Darius Baisley pick. My thing with it was I am one of the, the Brandon Clark truthers. I think, and it really depends how the Thunder move forward with their roster. Um, but I do, I think he would have been a great option next to Steven Adams. His length doesn't, isn't necessarily as big of a deal if he's not the biggest guy on the court. And I think he would have been fine in some like spot backup center minutes and so I think he could have been a good immediate contributor, whereas Darius Baisley will most certainly not be a contributor this year. And so it really comes down to, you know, we'll talk about Steven Adams later because this is going to be a long podcast. But it really comes down to how you want the Thunder to move forward. And we're like in this weird spot right now where you you would like, you know, a process-esque rebuild but obviously you're not going to get rid of Russ Westbrook and Paul George, but there's nothing you can really do to be great. So it's like, what what do you do at this point? And so I do think the Darius Baisley pick is one that, you know, in three years when these these contracts expire and we are in a bigger rebuild, then that'll probably be look back and be like, hey, this was an awesome upside pick. And it's just, I think, it's understandable for Thunder fans to be frustrated to have to think that far into the future with this. Right. Um, I think, because I've been thinking about this a lot, um, and I'm, we're going to do a thought experiment that I think is going to successfully dissuade all of our listeners from worrying too much about the timeline. Right? So, I'm going to ask both of you, uh, do you think that the Thunder are presently favorites for a home playoff seed next year? No. Nope. Do you think the Thunder are favorites to make the playoffs next year? Uh, I would say yes, still. You have two guys that are both superstars. So I'd still say, I mean, playoffs would be likely for me. Nope. Okay. <laughs> no playoffs. <laughs> and Alex is a hater. No, that, no, okay. So that's about where I thought you guys were going to be. All right. Do you think that Cam Johnson would... Uh, Alex, do you think that drafting Cam Johnson would have made this team a playoff team next year? No. I, I don't think it would have improved our chances either, no. Right. So, okay, can I, can I just... In, in lieu of... Or at least for on my part, I don't think there's a single player outside of Zion Williamson the Thunder could have added that I think would have made them a playoff team. Right. The reality is that we weren't, you know, we're, we might be, you know, maybe we're just one piece away, 
but you're not going to get that piece late in the first round. You never were. Um, and in fact, I actually don't think we're one piece away. I think we're maybe many pieces away. Um, Talking about from like contention there. From right? contention, right. Yeah. So why do we need to make a win now pick if it doesn't actually get us any closer to winning now? I mean, yeah, that's 100% my, my take on the situation is that, you know, obviously, you know, I don't think there was anybody late in the first round. I do like Brandon Clark, um, and I think that, you know, there are a lot of things he could have provided to the team, and they might not have had to go out and sign like a backup center if they were to wind up getting Brandon Clark, and I think he could fit next to Jeremy Grant really well. Um, and he's probably the guy that could have helped them the most just because I think he was the best basketball player on the board. Um, but yeah, like I think that Sam Presti has shown throughout his entire tenure as Thunder GM that he's not just going to serve one timeline. Like that's not how he operates. Yeah. Like, he's always looking to the future. And, you know, I think right or wrong, like that has been just been what he's done. Like, I think that it's arguably arguably been the wrong decision at times, um, you know, specifically when you're looking at, like, the James Harden trade or something. Right. But I think when you're talking about drafting late in the first round, I think, honestly, your eyes should be on who's going to be a rotation player on the next Grey Thunder team, and that could be five years down the road, you know? Right. It's... I just, I just think all of this win now talk is just really bizarre, given See, like it implies to me that people don't understand how far away the Thunder are. Right. And my argument for it would be I'm I'm one of those. I don't necessarily care about winning now, but whenever you have Russell Westbrook and Paul George, you're not going to fully tank. So the argument for, you know, drafting players that are win now are to be, you know, to improve yourself from 43 to 46 wins and getting that seven seed instead of just barely missing the playoffs. Because like as a small market team, we shouldn't be expecting a championship anyway. So, but you're also not going to get one of those top five picks. So I think you just want to win as many games as possible and play watchable basketball is what the argument for winning now would be. I suppose, but I don't know. It's well, yeah, like, that's a, yeah, that's it's, a it's, very it's, different kind of win now. Um, right. It's a very weird spot the Thunder are right. in where you can't fully tank but also can't go for it like other teams. So, I right. mean, I don't know. Yeah. To me, that is not – that like that sort of win now doesn't line up with like historic luxury tax bill win now. Um, well, which, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Uh, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say like the other thing is that a lot of Thunder fans – are annoyed uh, at the pitiful return the Thunder got, which, yeah, a 20-24 second is basically nothing. But Memphis, like, Memphis did uh, the Thunder a favor uh, because moving that moving back in the draft lessened that contract, which reduces luxury tax, which if right. you can and you know you're going to get your guy, you do it. Um, yeah. And Memphis knows that, and so, like, they like they gave us this pick in exchange for them helping us out with our tax bill slightly. Yeah, and I think that um, you know Boston, and I think the you know I look at the value that we didn't get for trading down a couple slots, and then you compare that to what Boston got from Philly, um, 
and they got a pretty good haul for moving down just four spots. So I think we could have done a little bit better, but like you said, Memphis was helping us out by letting us move down. Right, um, but, but I, I also I the... still think we could have done a better job of leveraging the fact like that obviously Brandon Clark was the player that they wanted, and mm-hmm. we should have just been like, hey, we're going to take him. Like, you've got to give us something worth having, or we're going to like make them believe. Like, that's part of the negotiation is that um, I think, like, I mean, everybody knew that Philly wanted Matisse Thibel, and Boston was like, hey, he's right here. We're going to take him unless you trade for him. So I think right. we could have done something similar to maybe get a little bit better uh, asset instead of like a future, like get a 2022, get a 2022 second round draft pick. That's so, exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, what I, was I, I would have rather had a 2022 second too, but yeah, I, I'm not terribly mad. I mean, a 2024 second rounder, like if you're doing that trade on 2K, that would get you like half a star of value. You know what I'm talking about? Like that's that's almost nothing. Right. Right. But there's, I mean, there's there there are a lot of other factors. Boston was certainly leveraging the fact that if they didn't pick, um, you know, if they didn't pick Thibel at 20, like surely Oklahoma City is interested in Thibel at 21. It's like that's there there are other pressures involved that helped Boston leverage that situation better. Um, and I think uh, at the end, and at the end of the day, like it's just a matter of like, this is what Philly was agreeable to. And this is what Memphis was agreeable to. Yeah. Um, well, and I think Philly has kind of shown that they're relatively inept in terms of negotiation. Like right. they're really good at like leveraging against themselves and kind of screwing themselves over. Uh, like the last three or four trades they've made have been just like kind of ridiculous in terms of what they've had to give up. Like what they had to give up for Tobias Harris is not talked about enough, but that was insane. Like the idea that they had to give up that Miami unprotected pick and mm-hmm. Landry Shamit, who is helping like a really promising young player on a ridiculously good contract. Mm-hmm. This was for an expiring non all-star player that they gave that up for, you know? So mm-hmm. Philly's shown that, like, yeah, they're not good in the negotiation aspect of trades. Um, but, yeah, we, we've digressed a little bit here. Um, let's keep going with the Thunder here because that's kind of our, our main interest. Um, so I think one of the main things that when you talk about Thunder fans and the reaction to the draft is they wanted a trade. Like, I know, you know, I didn't talk to a lot of Thunder fans at the OKC draft party we went to, but I know, like, the one of them that I talked to was like, yeah, I just, I want to, I don't want them to make this pick. I want to trade. Um, and they were really bummed that OKC didn't trade for TJ Warren, which my God, guys, I don't, <laughs> I don't think people have watched TJ Warren play basketball. He's not very good. Yeah. But he has like the ultimate excuse, right? Which is that he's on the Suns. He is on the Suns, but he's yeah. also like, I think he's kind of the last kind of player the Thunder actually need if you were really to evaluate, like, how his play style would fit with the Thunder. You know, like, I, I think... The okay, only time- Alex, I'm going to need you to repeat everything you just said. Oh, did I cut out? Yes. I heard it. Oh, you did? Keep, well, I did. Repeat it, though, for Ryan. Cause... Right, I'm the one recording, so... <laughs> right. Yeah, so I think that if you just look at the way T.J. Warren plays and then evaluate, like, how that would actually fit on the Oklahoma City Thunder, I'm thinking of, like, look, think about how bad Markeith Morris was. 
And I kind of think of TJ Warren as not that dissimilar. He's a little bit smaller. He's not necessarily the same position, but like, I think that their games aren't that dissimilar in that they need volume to be effective as scorers and really as basketball players. And so I, I think that would have been a horrible trade and a bad fit for them. But um, that's kind of beside the point. Um, so it got to the point where OKC fans, obviously, they wanted a trade. They wanted, you know, something big-ish to happen. Like, bring in a veteran that's going to help them win now. Um, there was the report about Steven Adams being available, Dennis Schroeder being available, Andre Robertson being available. Um, and I guess I'll, my question for you guys is that if you could just pick one of those three to trade, like, you know, whether not necessarily thinking of the value that each would get, but like, which guy would you think you would like to trade first out of that group? I mean, for me, it'd probably be Schroeder. Um, I'm the least emotionally attached to Schroeder. And I think that's, if you're not going for a championship, like I want to at least like the players that are on my teams. Like Steven Adams is the, like the least one I would want to trade because it's just like, it's impossible to not love the guy and, you know, saving, saving his, like getting rid of his contract. Really all that's doing is saving billionaires money. And I don't care about that. Like I want to watch one of my favorite players play for my favorite team. So, like, I would like to get get rid of Schroeder if we're getting rid of one. That's a bigger contract than Robertson's. Um, I think he was good for us. I just think you can find good backup point guards for cheaper and maybe net something in return because people still think Schroeder's good. <laughs> um, yeah, I think there's a compelling argument for Schroeder. Uh, trading shooter is like another way of like trickling ourselves away from the disaster that was taking on Mello's contract. Um, so like there's a degree to which like that is moving on from shooter is moving on from that money in general, which I think it would be a wise move. Um, because ultimately there wasn't that much value brought in. Um, which is funny because. <laughs> A lot of people thought he was maybe going to be sixth man of the year at the start of last season. That yeah, didn't those happen. People, those people hadn't ever watched in a shooter play basketball. For being well, how could, how could they? You know, It's not like they televised these things. Um, yeah. um, <laughs> the, um, what was I going to say? Uh, I also... I'm torn on trading Steve uh, because I like him a lot. I think he's a good teammate. He's like a finalist for the like teammate and sportsmanship award, which is really funny because he's like, <laughs> I would not describe his reputation in the NBA as like good sport, but I mean, he's generally like polite, I think in terms of like trash talk. So that might be part of that. Um, but like strictly in terms of like making the thunder better, like nebulously better. I think you, <sighs> You got to get a big who can shoot. And Steve is the most actionable asset of the three. Um, and so, in that sense, I think like a Steven Adams trade is the one that probably makes the Thunder the most better. Okay. Yeah. So, like, one thing I was relatively surprised by was just the reaction from opposing fans. Whenever that report about uh, Steven Adams being available came out, um, you know, because I know, like, it's it's easy to undervalue your own assets as a as a fan. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I, it's it's harsh to say like, your own players basically right uh, and uh but like i was just shocked a guy even like bill simmons was like oh yeah the celtics they've got to get steven adams right and then also, like, I saw a, an article, like, a Kings writer wrote, the Kings absolutely should be interested in acquiring Steven Adams. And now, obviously, I think if you would ask the fan bases what they're willing to give up for that kind of trade, it's not going to be, like, great value. Um, but I kind of came up with a couple of trades for those two teams specifically mm-hmm. um, that I want to throw at you guys. Um Either of them are trades that I think would make the Thunder better this season. Um, but seeing, like, I'm just kind of viewing the Thunder on a different timeline than probably most fans are. Uh, so these trades might sound kind of strange, but I kind of like them. Uh, I'll start with the Kings. And it, w- it is Steven Adams going to the Kings for Harry Giles and... Bogdan Bogdanovich. How do you guys feel about that trade? Um, let me look up how, how old's Bogdan now. Is he like twenty-one? No, he's a little older because he didn't come into the league for a while. Oh, twenty-six. I didn't realize yeah. he was that old. Yeah, he's he's been he hadn't been in the league that long, but he right. Was, that was only his second year this year, but yeah, he's good though. He can shoot. Yeah, well. no, he's and that's the thing with it is that you're getting a decent win-now guy, um, probably pretty close to his ceiling, um, definitely at a more important position, like we've talked about. Center is the most easily replaceable position in the league right now. Yeah. And then you get Giles, who's uh, still um, you know, just a lottery ticket, essentially. He was decent in his rookie year last year, coming off the injury where he missed his real rookie year. Um, I mean, it'd be fine, I guess. I, I don't know how much it does for the team. You're, you're really taking a shot in the dark on Giles, I think, still at this point. And like I said, I don't, I would like to keep Steven Adams just cause, you know, he's a fan favorite and I don't know that that move really moves the needle that much. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the way I look at it too, is that you have to, just think about how much, how big the resource that they have invested in Stephen Adams. Like twenty-five, it's or maybe yeah. a million in the next two years, I think. Um, and I just don't think that your team can win if you have that much devoted to a center who can't be an offensive focal point. You know, like forget the right. fact, like even if he could shoot, like it still wouldn't be great value. Because, like, he's not a guy that you're going to get him the ball and he's going to get you 25 and 12. You know, it's that's not the kind of player Steven Adams is, even if he can shoot threes. Um, so I just think that basically paying him a max salary uh, for his age, for his age bracket, like, it's just not a good use of resources on the cap. So I think that, you know, getting a guy like Bogdan Bogdanovich would kind of, I don't know if it would fully solidify the Thunder's wing rotation, but I think it would be a really good fit there. And then I think that Harry Giles, you kind of put him on the same timeline as the Terrence Ferguson, Darius Baisley, Hamadou Diallo, and you might actually have like a really good young core in like three or four years. And like that might not be what you like. You don't. You might not want your your team to feature all of those guys, but 
if they're all looking promising, you can package those guys for the next Paul George or whatever, you know? So, right. And I think the biggest that. thing for that, that cap relief would be, especially right now, there are a lot of misfit toys that, you know, former first rounders like Frank Nielakina, Josh Jackson, they're probably trying to move. There are a bunch of guys that people want to move and OKC just doesn't have the cap space to like take a swing on those guys also. And if you get rid of, all this Steven Adams money, then you can take the lottery ticket on Harry Giles and, you know, take something, take a Neil Aquina type, like try and work something out with that. So one thing, one one guy that I've been looking at, and this would have to be, the Thunder have a mellow trade exception, which I think is like $10 million, which is a really good asset to have. Like you could get a player for free, essentially. Um, oh, you say free. I, That's a lot of luxury tax money. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you get rid of Steven Adams, then your luxury tax bill is going to be a lot less. Like, you're not going to be under yeah. the luxury tax, but it's going to be a lot less than it was. And then I think you can use some of these other resources. You could use the taxpayer, the full taxpayer mid-level, and maybe the mellow trade exception, which is almost $11 million. And the guy that I've kind of looked at would be, like, what if you could just absorb Jay Crowder into that? Uh, into that trade exception, you know, yeah. like, and then Suddenly you're really you're looking, at, looking at, you're looking at a legitimate wing rotation with not a lot of holes. Honestly, you've got your pure, pure shooter in Bogdanovich. You've got a guy who can slide between the three and the four and be like Paul George's legit backup small forward. And yeah. Jake Crowder. Like, I really like that fit. And I think that the team actually might be better with that. If you just go sign, you know, re-sign Nerlens. I don't care. Like use a use that taxpayer mid level on a center. You can get centers for cheap in today's market, especially this off season because there's so many good centers available. Yeah, I think I like this. I the other side of this is that I actually really like this for the Kings. Yeah. Um, for getting like I'm sure that they would like to have Bagley and Giles and for them to jive together, but I think it's way more likely that ultimately Giles need would need to at some point get out of Bagley's way. Um, yeah. simultaneously, um, I think Steven Adams is an amazing fit next to De'Aaron Fox, who is like a Russell Westbrook who can shoot a bit. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. I mean, so that, like, yeah, you're making, you're, okay. First of all, I, you're making De'Aaron Fox sound like the greatest point guard ever. This is true. This is true. But, but what like, I'm like, what I'm saying is that like De'Aaron Fox is an athletic guy, but he's also like, he's got shooting to make up for Steven's deficiency. Right. And, well, I think he also fits really well next to Marvin Bagley, who is not like, he just doesn't have any of the, the real attributes that Steven Adams has. So right. It's kind of, they're kind of making up for each other. And especially if Bagley's going to shoot it, which he has a decent chance to do. I think, right. um, I think this is, yeah, go ahead. I, I just, I think this is a pretty smart trade. Um, and I know that like the Kings want a center, and this saves them from having to sign Vucevic to a max. So right, yeah, and I think the value in this trade would have would you know I really like Harry Giles as a prospect, and I like Bogdanovich, and he'd be a nice fit. But I think the value in this trade that it would just give the Thunder more ability to use some of these other mechanisms that they have to improve the team, because right now I don't see a lot of mechanisms other than maybe just adding minimum salary guys, uh, right. To- help improve the team so it might actually wind up even though you might be giving up the best player in all of the transactions this summer 
you might wind up being able to help your team in the end for next season. And you get a guy like Harry Giles and even Bogdan Bogdanovich, who's a younger guy. I mean, he is 26, but he's not to his prime yet. And right. so you're kind of. What's his what's his salary timeline? Uh, like this is his second season, so it's going to be a bit before he even has to get so, paid. Yeah, he'll have I think two more years left on his contract. So okay. It's like yeah. Got him locked in at a pretty decent salary. Yeah. Um, so I really like the deal. Um, let's move on to my next trade. Uh, this is with the Celtics. Um, and it you know similar. It's it's less. There's less win now value in this, but it, it's more thinking to the future with this trade. Uh, but I've got Steven Adams going to the Celtics, and in return, the Thunder get the Time Lord, also known as Robert Williams, who <clears throat> honestly doesn't seem like a Thunder guy. But bear with me. Okay. Um, I hey, like did you know what? Hang on, really quickly. What's Robert Williams' other nickname according to BasketballReference.com? I do not know. It is Boo Butt. Say that again. Boo butt. Like Boo butt. the noise a ghost makes and a posterior. Huh. Okay. <laughs> That's something. I don't believe anyone calls him that, but sure. Yeah, very strange. Uh, so it would have the Thunder getting Robert Williams the third and Romeo Lankford. Um, and maybe if you want to throw in like Shimmy Ozile, that's fine too. Cause I, I mean, I don't know what even value is for this. Like this is not as good a trade. Like it's not as clean a trade as the Kings trade because you're not getting a win now piece out of this at all. Like you would really have to go find some, a free agent or use that trade exception to be able to help your team at all this season. Um, but I do like Robert Williams. Like I think, Ideally, his game looks similar similar to what Steven Adams has done for the Thunder, and that he's kind of just a roll big man that's going to catch a bunch of lobs. He's not near as good. He just finished his first year. Um, I actually really kind of like Romeo Lankford. Uh, like, he's definitely on that, that future timeline, but I think he's got a pretty high upside. Um, he, he's got to develop a shot, which, which what Thunder player doesn't. But I like his tools – outside of that and then if you're also getting a guy like shimmy ozula you might you know that's kind of solidifying that four position and you know he's he's an upgrade over a patrick patterson type yeah i'd like that i mean boston has an abundance of assets and i think that would be a a good one to you know shimmy ozula i think I, I i loved him coming out of smu and i just think i think he could be a decent player that could get some minutes for you right now, but then also he's probably a bit older. I would guess he's 23 or 24 right now, but um, he would kind of fit that future timeline better um, moving forward to the future. I think, I don't know about Robert Williams. He's shown some flashes, but he's you never know where that guy's head's at. Right. Um, and depending on, you know, Romeo Langford, I would even like, I mean, Grant Williams was taken right where the Thunder could have drafted him. I think he would be, I think he's more of a sure thing, lower ceiling than Romeo Langford, but I think he's going to be a solid player for a lot of years. Uh, But yeah, they definitely, Boston has the assets to do 
whatever deal we want, whether it's and you know what they want, whether it's draft picks, a collection of those guys, what have you. But yeah, yeah. I I mean, I think I think for the Thunder to make a trade with the Celtics, I think the Thunder would want Marcus Smart because I I do I don't think the Thunder at all are looking just towards the future and i think that that's for what sure it is like this is definitely a me kind of trade like i could legitimately see them doing a trade like that with the kings because i do think it's pretty clean and serves both timelines that sam presti kind of likes mm-hmm. um but this one is definitely just like hey we know we're gonna take a step back this year this one is i think far less realistic in my opinion uh, yeah, especially because Danny Ainge is now. never going to part with his sweet, sweet assets. Right. Yeah. Right. It's well, and like I think about you think about Sam Presti and Danny Ainge trading with each other. Both guys are kind of known for winning trades, or at least getting good value in trades. And like, it's kind of rare that you see that work when two guys are going at each other in that way. You know. Right. So, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't think that they would be able to come to a like a mutually agreeable conclusion. Yeah, I, I do. Yeah, my favorite part of this trade is that we the Thunder would take back like seven hundred pounds of basketball player. Yeah, which is great. Yeah, Shimmy Shimmy's a big guy. Like he's, I think Shimmy's a guy that could play a lot of like him and Jeremy Grant together would probably work pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's just he's you know Jeremy is the the long and athletic guy. Shimmy's decently athletic, but he's just really big and strong. So they could probably complement each other really well. And late in games, you could probably play them at the four and the five. Mm-hmm. Be, it would be interesting, but I still I don't think that trade is helping the Thunder this year at all. Whereas I think there's a route to that other trade making the Thunder an actual better basketball team this year. Right. Um, I definitely like the Kings trade better. Um, but it's, I don't know, it's so hard to gauge a Celtics trade because there are so many, because you're playing with a stacked deck in terms of like, there are so many other assets that you would rather have, but you know, the Celtics won't give you their top stuff. Right. Yeah. I, I like the idea of Marcus Smart, but I just, I know the Celtics wouldn't trade him. So it's right. They're not going to trade smart. They're not going to trade Brown. Um, yeah. They're not going to trade anybody on the team that you want or the right. casual fan has heard of, uh, which is really annoying. Um, we got to <sighs> stop talking about Boston before I get pissed that we didn't get the exact deal that the Sixers got from <laughs> during the draft. Yeah. Oh, All right. Man. Uh, do we want to move on and actually talk about the draft a little bit more since we yeah talk about what the Thunder like? I might have something later that I want to talk about regarding the Thunder, but that one's going to be kind of yeah. a downer. And I'm well, totally... actually, we should, I think, really quickly. There is one other acquisition the Thunder made that we haven't talked about at all. What's that? It's Lou Dort. Oh, yeah, Lou, Lou Gwentz Dort. The, do we want to let Sam go? Because that's kind of his guy. Yeah, right. we can. I can talk right. about Lou Dort. I'm real a Lou quick. Dort hater, so you got to sell me on Lou. Well, see, the problem with being, I understand being a Lou Dort hater in the first round, which everybody right. was. Right. And then it looks bad, you know, when a guy d- completely drops out of the draft. But a lot of it, I think, had to do with, especially nowadays with the two-way contracts. A lot of guys completely fell out of the draft because they 
once it gets to that point, their agents are calling, you know, telling people, don't draft my guy. You know, they want a lot of teams are drafting to get, they want to get guys that'll agree to a two way instead of guys that'll want a guaranteed deal. So a lot of guys, and presumably Lou Dort is one of them, was one that was telling people, hey, don't draft me. He wanted to pick his situation. Um, he didn't want to take a two-way. He wants to, you know, show out in summer league and get, you know, try and get a guaranteed deal. So that's that's the biggest reason why Lou Dort dropped out of the uh, first round. And right now he's regarded as a lot of people's favorite uh, undrafted free agent pickup. I mean, he's a perfect fit for OKC, like I said, during our pre-draft uh, podcast, but I mean, he's just built like an incredible Adonis. I mean, the dude is jacked. He's got a good plus four wingspan. Um, I mean, if the if the shot comes along, he's a home run as an undrafted free agent. The shot already looks decent, and that was you know while he was playing on ball more. Once he's playing in a more off ball role where he can he doesn't have to deal with a lot of the playmaking, he can just be there ready to pull up um, his defense. This kind of like, you know, right now with the everyone's looking for the next three and D guy, a lot of people run into the problem with, you know, drafting a guy that's kind of good at threes and kind of good at defense, and then they can't get on the floor and do anything. Well, Lou Dort is a guy, he has elite defense, so he can be on the floor and hold his own on that end until the shot comes along, and then he's, I think he has a great chance to be one of the best 3 and D wings in this class. So I agree for the most part with what Sam said. Um, you're talking about you know, everybody knows the Thunder have been looking for 3 and D guys. So I've always been a big proponent of every second-round pick the Thunder take and every undrafted guy, all their two-way contracts. They should all be wings, right? Um, mm-hmm. because those are the kind of guys that can actually add real value to if you hit. Like, if you hit on a point guard, it's like, cool, you've got a third-string point guard. You know, like, you can only, you really only play one point guard at a time. But you can play, like, three wings at a time. So right. like, that's real value that you're adding to your team if you're able to hit on a low draft pick or undrafted guy. Um, you know, yes. Uh, so... My deal with Lou Dort is that I've heard, you know, the Marcus Smart comparison come around a lot, and I don't think he's ever going to be asked to play, like, an on-ball role like Smart is at times with the Celtics. Mm-hmm. But just the fact that he is capable of dribbling the ball, like, he's not going to ha- be one of those guys, like, look at Danny Green. Danny Green can't dribble at all. And yeah. you saw that at the end of the finals game where he just right. got the ball and he turned it over immediately because that's what – like he just was not able to dribble away from Draymond Green at all. And yeah. so when I see a guy like Lou Dort and think about his role as a 3 and D player, it really excites me because he's going to have a little bit more to his game than just like if he gets the ball and can't shoot it, then he just can't do anything. Like he's a guy that might be able to attack closeouts really well and just add value in other ways than just shooting threes. Um, so I really like to pick up as a you know, as a two-way contract undrafted guy. Like he's not Yeah, like he's but not going to be Marcus Smart, but he didn't get drafted 6th overall. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. 
And I think another guy that he kind of reminds me of, and it honestly maybe because his shot at times, his shot is not super consistent in terms of how it looks. Like his form is kind of weird in that way. And so that's kind of led to his inconsistency as a shooter. But I think of a guy like Wes Matthews as well, who was an undrafted guy out of Marquette and he got into the league and he was just like a super strong guy. So he's able to be a really versatile defender, even though he's not the tallest guy in the league. And that might be another role that Lou Dort could find himself in. And he might really excel at that. Right. Um, I'm no longer a Lou Dort hater. I'll say that. I think. And, and for what it's worth, you know, everyone has been talking about, like you could see in his workouts, his shot is noticeably different from when he shot 30% at Arizona State. His shot, like you can tell, he put in a ton of work into it. Like that's been his main focus. The shot looks good. He's a 70% free throw shooter. So like you can kind of project that he can hopefully shoot the ball. And so everyone is projecting that this guy will be able to shoot at some point. Right. right. Yeah. Huh. I, yeah. I love the pickup. Like this was one, like, I think I tweeted like, fuck yeah, right after. And it like might've seemed sarcastic because I put like three exclamation points, but I was legitimately that excited about getting this guy. I really, really liked this pickup. Like he was the one that I was, I was texting Sam after the draft and I was like, did Lou Dort get drafted? And I just didn't understand how he didn't. Um, and so whenever it turned out that the Thunder were the team that got him, I was very excited about it. So, I All mean, right. there's, you know, 15, 20% chance he ever actually turns into a rotation player. Like, I think that's probably a, at most as you could ever count on for an undrafted guy. But it's worth the risk. It's worth the try. You're not really investing much into it. Right. No, I think, I think it, that was a good, it's a good pickup on a two-way for sure. Um I also just, man, he is really physically developed for 20. Like, dude has mass in a way that is uncommon for one-and-done guys. And so that's impressive. We'll see if if he can do anything with it. I think there's a chance he could become potentially a useful player in the NBA. Um, That reminds me, just real quick, before we move on from the Thunder, um, talking about his physical development. Have any of you guys looked at the – there's a short workout video of Darius Baisley. Um, it was like a clutch pro day or something. It's on YouTube. Have any of you guys checked that out? No. Um, I saw a video of him dunking on a lot of dudes. It looked like it was in a like intramural game at a Division okay, two okay. college. This one's like got an interview along with it, and then it just shows some clips of him in a workout. Uh, and what I took from that though, is that Darius Baisley has changed his body in like the last year. Like he doesn't Mm. look like a year ago, he was like a super skinny Brandon Ingram esque, you know, power forward ish type guy that was, you know, he was in high school, but if you look at him now, you can tell like that dude has put in a lot of work. And it's the most noticeable in his lower body. Like, I thought his lower body lower body looked really developed. And, you know, I think that, you know, that is really encouraging to me. Like, it's also relatively you know, not the most common thing. You see a lot of guys that it takes them a long time to develop their body. Yeah. Um, and it seems Corey like... Corey Brewer never did it at all. 
Yeah, Corey Brewer never did, never did it at all. Brandon Ingram's really struggled. There's a lot of guys that just can't. So I and you know, looking at that and looking how developed his lower body is now after just a year, I it actually kind of excites me that he's gonna be able to really change his body and be a true power forward in the NBA. So I'm pretty ha- I'm pretty excited about Darius Baisley. I know I talked about that on our little short thing, but right. um, I'm excited about just the stuff that right. I've seen in researching him since the draft. I'm just really glad to hear that New Balance has great facilities for their employees to use. Darius has really been hitting that lunch break workout <laughs> really hard. Man, um, you know, I did an internship last year, too. And I did, did, get, get, paid paid, I did get paid a million dollars. Oh, that's a I actually got paid it's no It's honestly dollars. trash. That The market has been set now. We're no longer right. taking internships for anything less than a million dollars. That's absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah. got it. Thank had a you, college Trailblazer degree. Darius Baisley. Yep. Use that in your negotiations. Right. Yeah, Darius Baisley didn't even have a college degree like Ryan. Barely had a high school degree when he locked this one down. Yep. Right. They don't give degrees in high school, but it's okay. Um, Diploma. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, man. All right. Do you want to talk about draft? Like, Let's talk yeah, about talk the draft. Some, some big draft talk. Okay. Do you, Sam, hit me with the number one team that you thought won the draft. The number one team. Other than Yeah, say the Pelicans, and the thing, I'll talk real quick about the Pelicans, because it wasn't just, obviously they got Zion, but it wasn't just that. They traded back again and got more value from the Anthony Davis trade, and they got Jackson Hayes, who is still really raw, only spent one year at Texas, um, but like is going to be a great fit next to Zion defensively, and then if the offense comes along, like he will be a very good player for them. And then... Someone later we'll talk about um, best and worst just individual pick of the draft. And spoiler alert, I think Nikhil Alexander-Walker is going to be my best pick of the draft. Um, so the the Pelicans just all around, David Griffin's already doing a great job. They got maximum value for Anthony Davis and then turned that into more value and then utilized all of those draft picks. They did great. The team I want to talk about, uh, from the draft is the Utah Jazz. Did okay. anyone did anyone else appreciate the Utah Jazz's draft that they had? Um, okay, hit me hit me with who they picked. I know right. <laughs> so I know I don't. They didn't have a first round pick. They traded. Um, they got the twenty third pick from the Grizzlies uh, in exchange for Mike Conley, and then. Wait, is that right? They had yeah, no. The they gave pick. they, they gave the twenty third pick to the Grizzlies. Right. So they they traded that for Mike Conley. That's you know you got to include that in part of their draft. Um, so they traded that for Mike Conley, and then in the second round they got some of my favorite guys. They got a guy Justin Wright Foreman. Um, he went to Hofstra. He's a senior, averaged twenty seven points per game last season. Um, 42% from three, 86% from the line. He's not the biggest guy. He's six foot two. Um, but the dude is just a gamer. I mean, he's very good at what he does. He'll be a great backup point guard for them behind Mike Conley. 
And then they got a guy that I talked about, uh, Mie Oni from Yale, who's a, a, let me look up how big he is, a six foot six wing with a six foot 11 wingspan. Um, I think there, Utah is a great situation for him. I think they'll they'll definitely get the most out of it. They've gotten great wing play out of guys like Royce O'Neal. Uh, Joe Ingles is like an elite role player in the league now. And so I think that's a great pick for them. And it, he'll be, I think Mieoni will be a guy in a couple of years that people are uh, wondering how they got him so low. And then they also got a guy, Jarrell Brantley. Um, he's not, I wasn't, didn't, didn't really know him. A whole lot. I'm looking up real quick where he was even from. College of Charleston. College of uh, Charleston. So I don't. He shot like don't. 76% from the line, 35% from three. He's a six-seven wing. He's big. There you go. Uh, I mean, he's yeah. fine. He'll be probably be in their G League team. Um, but yeah, I mean, this this is just a, a great example of the draft using your assets. Because I mean, like I said, you have to include what they did to get Mike Conley. I mean, using the 23rd pick, that is great value to give up that and one young player and two expiring contracts to get an elite starting point guard. And then you got usable players that whether or not they play this upcoming year or, you know, continue that pipeline of development that Utah has. They did a great job in the second round, I think, even with picks in the 50s. They did a great job of getting usable players to replenish their farm system. Yeah, I yeah. loved I loved the Mieoni pick. I was shocked that he fell to fifty eight. Yeah, he got, I was like, that guy might wind up going late first round, just totally unexpectedly. Like, seems like every year there's a guy that's projected to be a solid second round pick that goes first round, and I thought Mieoni might somehow be that guy. You know, this year I thought maybe Jordan Poole was that guy, but. Mia Yoni going at 58 for them, going to the perfect situation, like you said. Like, I'm really excited to see what you can do there. Um, yeah, when he got drafted, I got really pissed off. I texted Alex. I think Alex was driving back home from the watch party you guys were at. But the Warriors drafted Mia Yoni, and I was so I, mad that he went to no, the Warriors. Yeah. And I texted him in haste as soon as it happened and before yep. he had been traded to the Jazz. So yep. <laughs> That is, like, the worst-case scenario for me. To see a player I really wanted on the Thunder get tra- get drafted by the Warriors and then traded to the Jazz, <laughs> that's just evil. Yeah. Um, um. Okay. So, Ryan, do you want to go? Uh. Yeah. This is the draft. team that I thought did well. Who won Correct. the draft? Who won the draft? Oh, who won the draft for you? Uh. Listen, the Atlanta Hawks won this draft. Um, which is not going to be an unpopular take. Um, More unpopular unpopular than you would think, actually. Right. Well, they landed the two best two-way wings in this draft, which was their definitive need. Um, They're going to be able to roll out a a late-game small ball lineup with five guys who can shoot and are all under the age of 21. That is awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Drafting. Yeah. Drafting Hunter and then drafting Reddish. That's perfect for them. Um, and yeah, 
Like, you know, they were able to turn 17 and 8 into 4 to get their guy, which is exactly what they should have done. And it's really impressive to me, given how lottery night, I think we all felt like the Hawks kind of got screwed. Right. For all of the tanking done by them and Dallas to only turn into picks eight and ten. But like this was like they play this perfectly for their needs. Yeah, so I want to I was going to talk about them, but this this is totally fine. Um, So they've kind of caught some heat for not maximizing the value for what they had because they gave up they gave up 817 and i think number 35 or something is that mm-hmm. right sam yeah. yeah i think it was 35 which and i think they gave up a future first pick uh first round pick that's going to probably convey as two seconds so like they gave up a lot to move up four spots and they caught a lot of heat because they they moved up to get a guy that projects as a role player in DeAndre Hunter which I agree. That's everybody in this draft, though. Yeah, I agree. Like, there's not a lot of star equity with DeAndre Hunter, but the way I look at it is they had definitive needs for wings that can be two-way players, and DeAndre Hunter might wind up being the best one of those guys from this draft, and that was the guy that they identified early in the process that they wanted him over anybody else. And I don't think DeAndre Hunter was going to be there for them at number eight. I think Cleveland was really a big fan of him. And then there was also going to be other teams looking to trade up maybe to draft him. So I thought it was really good use of what they had to move up to get to the guy that they wanted. And then I think Cam Reddish was a guy that if they had had eight and 10, they might've been more than happy to get him at number eight. And he was there at number 10. So like, he's a guy that probably has significantly more upside than Deandre Hunter offensively at least um so i thought they did really well and i think one thing that we're looking at when we i listen to a lot of draft podcasts and i think some people in that kind in like nba draft twitter they kind of overrate value um and Mm -hmm. not to say that like you shouldn't consider value at all obviously you should consider value the suns clearly didn't consider value and they screwed themselves for it but i think when you've got a guy like deandre hunter for the hawks that they just really really wanted and they had an abundance of assets to use like they didn't need five more rook i think they had five or six draft picks coming into this draft that team did not need five or six more rookies to have to deal with in development at that point you're already got a young core on your team at that point you're just kind of overdoing it you know and you're yeah probably going to stunt the growth of the guys that you have because you're going to have so many developing players on the same team. And that's not what the Hawks wanted. So they kind of wanted to just zone in on the guys that they really, really wanted and whatever they needed to give up within reason, which I don't think what they gave up was unreasonable. And that was the guys that they wound up with. And so I thought they did really well. They also got Bruno Fernando in the second round. Right. I'm a fan of him in terms of, I think he could, just be a ridiculous offensive center next to Trey Young. And he's also a guy that I think in the long run might be able to play with John Collins um, mm-hmm. if we just are going to not care about defense at all, which is fine. Um, but I think it's just like a fun pick for them to be able to throw him with all the other talented offensive players that they have. Um, so I agree with you. I think the Hawks were definitely the team that I was going to say that I thought 
did really, really well for themselves. And other than the Pelicans, I would say the Hawks won the draft in quotations. One more team, I guess I'll give a team that I liked. I really liked what the Celtics did. I know we're kind of dunking on the Celtics for all the things that they've had go wrong for them. And Mm -hmm. a lot of self-inflicted thing. That's, yeah, I don't think that they are faultless in these situations. I know a lot of, I've seen a lot of like Boston media try to frame it as like, oh, it's just been the most unlucky run. But you can't not fault them for a lot of the things that have happened to them. So, but I really like what they did in the draft. Like I said, I like Romeo Lankford. And that was one guy that when I looked at him and his profile, I was like, that's a Celtics draft pick right there. I was like, he's going to go at number 14. I missed almost every pick in the first round. I did a like predictive mock draft. But I got number 14 right with Romeo Lankford. I was just like, <laughs> the Celtics are absolutely going to take this guy. Um, and I think that that's a perfect spot for him. And then we talked about how they kind of screwed Philadelphia over and they wound up getting more assets than they probably should have for just, you know, they said, hey, we'll draft Matisse Thibel if you don't, if you're not going to trade up for him. So I thought that was really good asset management. And then, you know, we've all been high on Grant Williams. And I think that was like the whole, I mean, all of NBA draft Twitter was high on Grant Williams. Like, obviously the guy's going to be a freaking superstar with as much, uh, praise that he received on NBA draft Twitter. Right. <laughs> and then in the second round, they wound up with Carson Edwards, which there were teams that I was like, I don't know if I would draft him for them, but I think for the Celtics, it could actually work really well. If he's playing next to guys like Marcus smart, Jalen Brown and Jay, uh, Jason Tatum. Like, I think that that might be a really good fit for him because he's not going to have to do a lot of creation for others. And he can just like shoot the crap out of the basketball. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I thought they did great. Which you hate to see it. You actually hate to you see do it. Hate to see it. It's really annoying. Um, all right. So those are the teams we thought won. Yeah, Ooh. I would. I would give another shout out real quick to the Clippers. I thought they only had the two picks, both out of Florida State: Fiona Cabangeli and Terrence Mann. I think they got two more they immediately got two playable guys. Yeah, they're. Like fit with the identity they're building, and I think they can be contributors very soon for them. Yeah, yeah, I love Terrence Mann, man. I like think that's a that's a that guy's awesome. Like that guy, the Lakers traded into the draft. I'm getting silence, folks. Alex is just talking about how much he loves Terrence Mann. Yeah, I'm a Uh-oh. big Terrence Mann guy. Can you not hear me, Ryan? Can you hear me, Ryan? Fun. Oh can my god! Can you guys god. hear me? Right, yeah. we can both hear you. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah, we're going to need to edit this probably, huh? Well, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> we can, uh, we can okay. just vamp. Okay, we're better. We're better. We're back. Okay. Yeah, I think your internet connection is probably kind of bad. Yeah, it's, it is a little garbage, which is annoying because it's like a wired connection. But, right. yeah, it goes through a router that is dying. Uh, gotcha. Right. Yeah. No. I. I really. Lo- I love Terrence Mann, and that was like the Lakers traded into the draft and got the number forty-six pick, and they drafted Taylor Horton Tucker, who I like. Okay, like he's a decent prospect, but Terrence Mann was the guy that I thought the Lakers should have drafted. Um. <laughs> bowl, bowl, well, Terrence Mann. Terrence Mann should have signed with Rich Paul if he wanted to do that. 
That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um. All right. So, do we want to go to teams that lost lost this draft? Sure. I mean, the Suns had the worst night. The Suns. The Suns didn't even have a bad night. They had a bad day. Like they start <laughs> yeah, taking they the Suns start taking L's from the start. They started off the L's. Yep. I don't. I don't understand the reasoning behind. Like I can't believe they couldn't get anything for TJ Warren and number thirty-two. Right. Like the idea that they just they gave away a player who's not bad. Like there are situations he could be really successful in, and then they gave a really high second round pick away. Like it seems like you could do a lot, but like you could at least get a couple future seconds for that to me. But they wound up just getting cash for those two guys or for those two assets, mm-hmm. and that was unbelievable for for me to start out with. Um, and then you know they're looking at they're at number six, and you're like, oh, they can get their point guard, you know, probably Kobe White because it seemed like Darius Garland was going to go to Cleveland. But then we hear that they traded number six to the Timberwolves for number 11 and Dario Saric. Okay, it happened again. Oh, no. Nothing? Yeah, nothing. Just nothing. How much much did you miss? Uh, We got, uh, we were talking about the number six. Um, and how they traded it, but you didn't, I didn't get to hear to whom. Yeah. So they, they have that on the record. Yeah. They traded six, uh, to the Timberwolves for number 11 and Dario Saric, um, which I guess in a vacuum, like the value isn't bad there. Like Saric is not a bad NBA player and number 11 is only five picks lower. So basically, but also Dario Saric, I'm pretty sure this is his only year, right? And then he has to get paid. Right. Yeah. Like they're probably not going to keep him past this year. It's not like what what else they going to do with their money? Well, I mean, they they obviously they're playing something because they needed that twelve million dollars of cap space enough to give up a high second round pick. So right. I mean, right now the win now moves. Yeah. And And right now the rumors are that their win now move is D'Angelo Russell, which. Okay, I don't know the fit there with Devin Booker and. There's been multiple reports that they're not going to pursue him. I, I I think that I, would be good if they're if they are pursuing Malcolm Brogdon, then I think this is all worth it. But I, that's really the only free agent that I can see worth them going after. Right. And it's not like he's young. I mean, Malcolm Brogdon was. I'm pretty sure he was a fifth year senior when 26. he was coming. Twenty six. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's, he's not a young guy and doesn't necessarily – I mean, he's not – obviously, he's not old and decrepit yet, but he doesn't perfectly fit the timeline. But that's still the best fit that they're going to get out of a free agent, I think. Yeah, no, I think yeah. that I, – I, no one knows what they're doing. Um, like, are the Suns – I look at the way that they drafted, and they traded – that's the thing. We haven't even got to their actual draft pick, and we're talking about how bad their day was. Yeah, they traded. I can't. They traded a future first to get back into the draft late. Um, they got the number twenty-four pick. Um, so they ended draft night. Basically, they gained Dario Saric. They drafted Cam Johnson at number eleven, and they drafted Ch- Ty Jerome at twenty-four. 
Let's start by talking about Cam Johnson. And earlier we were talking about, you know, how to assess teams' value in terms of, I, you know, at times I think it could be an overrated thing, but when you're just throwing shit away, I think that that is when it becomes a major issue and you're not maximizing value. And right. Cam Johnson, basically you threw that pick, like, you could have traded down to get the number 25 pick. Like, you probably could have gotten Cam Johnson definitely in the 20s, but they used a freaking lottery pick to draft Right. Him. They, um, you know, a lot of guys had Cam Johnson mocked to the Thunder at 21. Um, and I think Royce Young has said that, like, yeah, the Thunder were interested in taking him, but then he was gone. So, like, the Suns, like, left a lot of value on the board for just by just taking this guy way before anyone like unless it's going to come out that the hornets were in love with cam johnson then they absolutely should have traded down not that that's impossible but he is a north carolina guy so that makes sense yeah i mean we we don't have the intel that these teams get and you know they're getting a vibe from other gms but yeah i can't I mean, the Thunder and the Jazz at 23 were the only teams like you ever really saw mocked getting Cam Johnson, maybe the Sixers. But yeah, in the 20s, I mean, maybe you can make a case that the Magic were interested, and that's why they ended up draft overdrafting Chuma Okiki, because their plan to overdraft Cam Johnson failed. But even still, like I feel like you can trade back to 15 with the Pistons. Like, Right. I don't know. Well, right. It's... I- Go ahead. Okay, I, I just want to, from the Thunder's point of view, like, I was listening to the podcast when Royce Young talked about how they would be interested in him. I don't think Royce Young actually knows that to be true. Uh, <laughs> okay. Like, like, I know that, honestly, I think it is entirely likely that the Thunder might have been putting it out there that they liked Cam Johnson and Tyler Hero just to hide the fact that they really were going to draft Darius Baisley. Like, For I sure. That's that would be yeah. Guy. That sounds like a thunder thing to do. Yeah, and like that way, you're not going to get screwed over like the Sixers did with Matisse Thybul. You know, right. like I don't think does Cam Johnson seem like a thunder draft pick to you? No. Does Tyler Hero seem like a no. thunder? Draft? They this draft like this is the th- like, and this is the thing is when we talked about these guys, um, on our pre-draft thing, like the question was. Will these would these players ever play? Right. <laughs> you know, a team is not going to draft a player um, when one of the question marks is, will this player just ride the bench forever because our coach won't play him because he can't play defense? Like teams draft, like teams develop an identity and they draft to fit that identity. Um, and the Thunder needed shooting, but they obviously weren't going to give up their identity to get it in a draft pick. Right. Yeah, I, I think that that is just, I basically, I think Royce Young, either the Thunder were putting out false info, or Royce Young was just looking at every mock draft and was like, oh yeah, that's who they've got the Thunder taking, so there must be right. something there. Like, I don't, and I'm not shitting on Royce, I think Royce Young is really good at what he does, but I don't think anybody gets really good info on what the Thunder are doing with draft picks, so that's yeah. where that's where that comes from. Um, but back to the Suns. Obviously, Cam Johnson, a major overdraft at 11. Um, you drafted the oldest lottery pick since 2009 with that pick. Um, yeah. Traded back into the first round at number 24 and got Ty Jerome. 
who another he's a little bit older. I think he was a junior at Virginia this year. Um, very unathletic. Like he's just not an athlete at all. He's a good basketball player. Like he knows how to play. He's got great feel for the game. Um, but my problem with this pick is that they have a bunch of point guards that are of similar caliber to him. So it's like, are they just giving up on DeAnthony Melton and Elliot Kobo at this point? Yeah. Like I, I like Ty Jerome a lot. I talked about him. I like him for the Sixers or I liked him. I mean, for a lot of teams, but it just, yeah, it doesn't make sense for the Suns. Right. Also kind of a dumb pick to if you're also going after D'Angelo Russell. Because yeah. at that point, you've just got a log jam at guard. Um, like a guy like a guy like Carson Edwards would make seems like he'd fit a lot more with the Suns, who they could have had with the pick they traded away to relieve cap space with TJ Warren. Yeah, yeah, just pretty unbelievable. And like the th- the Suns, if you look at what they've done in the draft, it's pretty unbelievable how bad they've been. Other than Devin Booker obviously was a good pick, even though I don't think he's – I think he's the most overrated player in the league. But he's was still a good pick for where they drafted him at 13. Like, that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, we don't know about DeAndre Aiden. I don't think Aiden was a bad pick. It wasn't the pick they should have made, but it wasn't a bad pick. But other right. than that, they've got Josh Jackson on their team right now. I don't – and they just – they want to get rid of him, but nobody in the league wants him. Like, he's basically dead salary at this point, and they're going to have to attach an asset to him to get rid of him at some point. Or they're just going to have to decline his option. And this is the same team that declined the option for Dragon Bender, who they took in the top five, and Marquise Chris, who they took in the top ten. Like, just a pretty stunning, like... Yeah. This is making me feel better about Josh Eustace, is what this is doing. Yeah, well... Well, I was so, just like, at least could be could be bad. worse. Don't forget Mitch McGarry. It could be right. worse. You're right. It could be worse. Yeah. And, it, and worse sense. is worse is named Mitch McGarry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, the Suns just no sense at all to their picks. Um, I also, why do you draft Cam Johnson if you traded for Dario Saric, Saric earlier that day? What does Cam Johnson get you that Dario Saric doesn't? Like yeah. you can't play. Like, and they've got Mikhail Bridges too, who's like just better than Cam Johnson in every way, other than just pure shooting. Right. They play the same position, so it's just there's really no logic in what they're doing. And like, I would be severely stressed out as if I, if I were a Suns fan. And I've I've listened to a a couple of Suns podcasts just to kind of get the feel for how they're feeling about it. And yeah, they're as they're very upset about what's going on right now. Good. Yeah. So, I mean, as negative as I am about the Thunder, at least we're not the Suns. Right. For sure. So that's good. All right. The team whose draft I hated, here they come, my beloved Philadelphia 76ers. <laughs> Their yeah. draft, like, so just to start off, they... I mean, it was like the worst kept secret that they had given. A, if if people like me knew that, could assume they had given a guarantee to Matisse Thybul. Like everyone in the league could assume they had given a guarantee to Matisse Thybul. Like they had 
worked out for Philadelphia, been shut down with a presumed promise. He's seemed like the kind of guy that Philadelphia would take. It's like everyone knew that Philadelphia was going to take Matisse Thybul. Whereas, like, a lot of people thought the Spurs were going to take Luka Samanich, but, like, they still got their guy and did not have to trade up for him. Like, they, that was another underrated draft I thought was the Spurs. They did a really good job, as always. But, so Philadelphia, they have to trade up with their arch rival to get their guy. They lose a high-value pick. They lose the 33rd pick to trade up four spots and get the guy that they wanted. Who is good? Like, I like Thibel. I think he'll be great for the Sixers. But if you could have, like, just kept him, I, I don't know what working out, letting him work out, if he would have impressed that much that he would have jumped ahead of 24. I don't know. But the, so they already, they have to give up assets to get up and get the guy they wanted at 24. Then they get to the second round where they have so many needs. They need wings. They need a backup center. And they have, they're the ones that get Bruno Fernando at 34, who could have been a useful backup center to Joel Embiid. And they trade him away to the Hawks for future second round picks. They could have had Admiral Schofield, who was, who could be a useful pick for them, could be like a useful player as early as this year, gives them things that they need. And then they trade him away to get cap relief for. Jonathan Simmons, who is only guaranteed a million dollars this year anyway. Like, he was guaranteed, if you stretch that contract, his cap hit would have been, like, absolutely nothing. And then they got a little bit of cash for their pick from the Wizards. And then, I think, no, then their last one, they used their own pick for Mariel Shayok, who you guys might remember played at Iowa State this year. He was, for this year, like, probably their best player but he's a guy that no one had him in the top 60. He's presumably, like I was talking about earlier, one of those situations that they had a guy that he said, yeah, he'll take a two-way. He doesn't need a guaranteed deal in order to be drafted. So they took him. But like, there are other guys you could do that with. Like I think Kyle Guy took a two-way. Mm-hmm. Jordan Bone, you could have had Mieoni. Like There are so many guys you could have had right there. And that the only one pick they kept was a guy that wasn't even projected to be drafted probably wasn't even in a lot of people's top 100 so like you have to trade up to get the only guy you wanted and then your only other draft pick that you got was a major overdraft while you're giving away second round picks like it was just oh it was mind-blowing for a team that wants to win now but like did not at all act like it right yeah so the thing that frustrated me the most with what they did is that I don't think I could pick a team that is a better fit for Carson Edwards than the Sixers. Right. Like, I, absolutely what they could have used. Like, he's kind of similar to Landry Shamit in that he can just shoot off movement as good as anybody in the, in the you know, in college basketball could. And, like, that dude next to Ben Simmons, like, that could have been really freaking good. And, it's like, that really frustrated me. Like, I'm okay, like, I get that you don't want to bring in a bunch of guys. I understand For that. sure. Like, I didn't think they needed to make all five picks. No, for sure. Like, sell, you know, sell a couple of them or get future picks for a couple of them. But, dude, yeah, Carson Edwards was a guy that they should have been like, no, we, we have to have this guy. Like, that, he would have been an absolutely perfect fit. Um, I think they should have called the Sixers bluff and just been like, yeah, sure. We Because it's been reported that the – 
the Celtics didn't even like Thibault. Like they yeah. just they were just right. doing mess with the Sixers because they did such a bad job of hiding their interest. Mm-hmm. Right. So like which the Celtics have done this before with the yeah. Sixers. Right. Yeah. Like it just it gives you definite flashbacks to the Fultz trade. Right. Yeah. No, like that, and it's funny because it's like a different front office now. But Danny Ainge just like ha- is so in their heads, right? And it's like it's it's Elton Brand's first draft, and I'm gonna guess like he just got scared. But like yeah, like you said, you gotta call the Celtics bluff. You gotta be able to see that like Tybal is not a guy that they want, and they're not really gonna take him. And maybe they were selling him on like OKC is gonna take Tybal if if you guys don't trade up to twenty. Then sure, like then trade with OKC because clearly OKC was taking a 2024 second rounder to move right. down two spots. I don't think you would have had to give up Carson Edwards to trade with OKC like you did to trade up one pick higher with the Celtics. It's like you gotta call the Celtics bluff there if you still want Thibel, get a better deal, especially from someone that's just like not your like biggest rival in Boston. And if, right. if Thibault's not there at 24, if you stay put, then, like, there are plenty of guys that you can use there. Right. Right. It's a, it was a bad move. And I, I got to say that uh, it really just marks the end of the process. Yeah. Well, and, like, that's been – I know – I mean, I listen to – I think Sam and I both listen to the Rice to Ricky Sanchez podcast. And, like – that's their biggest complaint is that they just the Sixers seemingly do not care about second round draft picks. They act like if you're drafted in the second round, you're going to be a rookie for your entire career. Mm-hmm. And like the Sixers are going to be in a situation where they're going to be probably the most capped out team in the league and have a massive, massive uh, luxury tax bill. So like hitting on a second rounder could probably be more valuable to them than any other team in the NBA. And they just don't seem to think that those picks are even remotely valuable. Yeah, like, I mean, you saw what freaking Toronto did. None of their guys were lottery picks. You had, I mean, Norman Powell was a second rounder. Danny Green, you know, was a lot longer ago and wasn't um, by the Raptors. But he was a second rounder. Like, they had so many guys. Van Vliet was undrafted. You can get guys in the second round. So, yeah, we you don't want to make... You know, all three of those picks or something, or all four, however many second round picks they had, you don't want to make all of them sure. Yeah, they have four second round picks, but like, take a shot at three of them, take a shot at at least two of them. Yeah. Like, let guys play in summer league for you. If they don't pan out, then they don't pan out. Like, yeah, you can cut them. Yeah. You got to take a swing. Contracts and cut them if you don't like them. Like, you don't. Like you gotta get take the chance to land a guy that can be a rotation player. Like there are literally, like you said, the the Raptors had several guys. There are guys that have made. <laughs> I lost it again. Oh no! I feel oh, like that. I feel like it might be good because it tells me that you're recording. So I feel like you'll still get everything. You might just not hear it for a little bit. You know, Alex, are you yeah. there? I'm there. Sam. Yeah, can you hear me, Ryan? This is great. This is gonna be so much work. Yeah, you hear me? some editing. Yeah, there's, this is like way more editing than I have ever done on this. Um, yeah, I can hear you guys now. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, 
Is there anything else we want to talk about with the draft? Like, since we're having some technical difficulties. Um, I just want to really quickly say that I, I'm kind of disappointed in the Timberwolves. Um, okay. Just because their obvious need coming into this was, like, point guard, and they didn't get one. I I really like that they didn't reach for a point guard at six. I think Jarrett Culver was the pick there. Like, he was the best player available. And right. I think that there's a decent chance that Andrew Wiggins is not going to be on that basketball team at the end of this offseason. That's and a fair it's, point. It's because they literally can't get rid of him. Um, I don't think they want Andrew Wiggins. Um, and I think that you put Jarrett Culver with a guy like Robert Covington, and, like, you could be pretty elite defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, also, they got Jalen Noel in the second round who, like, could be – like, he's a was a great scorer at Washington – and could be like something. A lot of people were really high on him. Mm. Um, could be something useful. Probably won't make it to the NBA this year. Played all that much, but right. Yeah. Um, do you think the Timberwolves offered Wiggins to the Suns? Man, that would be the ultimate. If the, if the Suns were to do that, you would just need to shut the franchise down. Like <laughs> I don't even care what it would be for. Like even if it were for free. Like, yeah, you think Devin Booker's overrated, but at least Devin Booker's, I mean, objectively good at basketball. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he is a guard with a complete offensive skill set. Like, right. Yeah. And Andrew Wiggins can't play the Thunder every game. So, right. He's just not good at basketball. Right. Uh, One wonders. Go ahead. I was just like, one wonders what the trajectory of Andrew Wiggins' career would have looked like if he wasn't in the same division as the Thunder. <laughs> like, does he even get those contracts? Yeah, well, if he's playing in Cleveland, he only plays the Thunder twice a year instead of four times a year. Right. Oh, yeah. oh man. Crazy. Um, Alternate yeah. timelines. I think that's all we have to say about the draft. I would right. like to, real quick, because I didn't talk about it earlier, We the Pelicans, I think, were the winner of the draft. Obviously, they got Zion. But Nikhil Alexander-Walker is the perfect fit for Alvin Gentry's system. Like I was talking about when I was hyping him up for the Thunder, potentially, if he fell, like he is a perfect secondary ball handler, which Alvin Gentry highly uses, which will be great next to Lonzo, Andrew Holiday, if they keep him. He can shoot off ball. Like Nikhil Alexander-Walker, I think, could be... I, I would pick him to be... If he gets 20 minutes a game, I think he'll be second-team all-rookie. Right. Yeah, I, I was a huge fan of that pick as well. Right. I didn't love the Jackson Hayes pick, but I yeah, get I, what they were going for. Right. right. Yeah. Um, yeah, is that it? I think that's it. Right. Do we have anything else we wanted to talk about? I think that... Maybe we could do another one at some point. Yeah, that'd probably be good, but, especially because this one's already yeah, an hour and we're a gonna, half. We're going to call this one before it gets even worse. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Well, in that case, uh, that brings us to the end of our draft pod. Um, well, because free agency is going to start happening soon. Um, I mean, and Summer obviously... League is in like two weeks, so That's the wild. NBA never stops, man. I love it. Yeah. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna call it here, um, but we'll be back soon. Uh, thanks for listening. I have a lot of editing to do on this one, uh, <laughs> so if you appreciate that, um, you know, leave us a five star review on iTunes. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes uh, or the Google Play Store or Podbean. 
Um, follow us on Twitter at RWMaxi, at Alex P. Purdy, and at NotThatSamDavis. And we'll see you later. <laughs>